It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. You're listening to BGN Radio. You've got to be comfortable in your own, your own skin in order to be able to reach out, be genuine with those you want to get high performance from, be accountable to them, and make them accountable to you. And um, uh, when you get down to it, that's, that's something that uh, we were not going to go away from. That was a very key variable, and uh, um, Doug has that, and unquestionably. episode number 143 and of course as always powered by clip it you watch it you sh- clip it and you share it it's just that easy and of course we'll be talking about the hottest new app uh, in town as we've been we've been using that all weekend man i just saw brandon using it. i saw uh i was using it for the, the, the playoff weekend we're going to be using it again uh but uh, a big thank you to them for always being on board and what's going on everybody it's uh, episode number 143 here at bgn radio we're recording this on a wednesday and we're going to try and get it out on the same day, but if you're hearing this Thursday morning, just because uh, we were busy editing all the press conference cuts and uh, trying to put them in there and make this thing as sexy as possible. But regardless, uh, if you are out there on, uh, you know, SoundCloud or Stitcher, especially iTunes, I I saw the 69 rating, which was nice. We got 69 ratings, uh, but uh, we could always use more. So uh, if you're out there, please subscribe, rate, review, uh, helps grow the podcast. We always want to hear your feedback. Speaking of the feedback, uh, I want to, well, say hello to our good friend and our co-host at uh, 97.5 The Fanatic, Mr. James Seltzer. What's happening today, Bal? Uh, John, I'm doing well. I've uh, I've surrounded myself with a lot of James Seltzer people, people I can trust, <laughs> very similar to Doug Peterson people, but they're James Seltzer people. Uh, and I feel good. And, and I will make a, a promise, a promise to this podcast for the next 30, 45 minutes, whatever we're here, we will not give Tom Brady the ball back. I promise. We will not do that. That is my word. No matter, even if we lose this podcast. Well, oh, speaking of, uh, of losing this podcast, look, I, we also just want to address something up front here. Uh, a lot of comments lately. And look, we've been obviously we've been very skeptical of this whole process leading up from, uh, you know, the search when it began to everything that's in between to the hiring of Doug Peterson and et cetera, et cetera. I understand that people don't want to hear negative stuff about their football team. It's just human nature, especially with the, you know, the Eagles fans, uh, 
you know, it happens everywhere. I think that's just kind of a true thing anywhere. So it is not, we're not just being negative just to be negative. We're not doing all these things just to throw it out there. We can't turn it a blind eye to how this kind of all went down. It has nothing to do with Chip Kelly getting fired. It has nothing to do with, with anything else. I understand that people want things to, you know, give it time, work it out. Let's see kind of what happens. And I think that's an okay approach to take with Doug Peterson because we don't know a lot. We've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. But this isn't, we're not just saying it to say it. This is just our opinion. You know, it, it, this isn't coming out of like, oh, we're just we're just mad. This has nothing to do with Philly media or anything like that. Uh, so I, I understand where you guys are coming from. And look, you're talking to the same guys that week two of the 2014 season, yet me, Matt, and Patrick all calling for Mark Sanchez. And everybody hated that too. So I, I, I get it. You know, it, there's uh, there's a lot of things that are back and forth here. And we're caught in the middle always, really, of being the cross between getting accused of being complete homers, chip bots, you know, the, the whole the whole ball of wax, and now, like, the force of being way too negative and like, oh, you guys are just bitching a bitch. I, it, it is not, it's not how we're doing things here. It's just how we, it's how we feel about certain situations, how we look at certain things. So I understand the frustration, but trust me, uh, we're, we're not doing this just to do this, James. Like that's, it's just, uh, it's just, it's just kind of the truth. It's just kind of what's happening, at least in our eyes here. Yeah. And John, I mean, I would hope that anyone listening to us or, or who, likes to listen to us or, or, or will ever listen to us would uh, assume that we're going to tell them what we think and, and give our honest opinions. And, uh, you know, it, it's not, we can't, we're not going to fake that. We're not going to, you know, uh, you know, give you an opinion just because it, it's, it's what you'd want to hear or make you happier or whatever. I mean, we have to look at this and, and look at the way this has gone down and, and judge it fairly in our eyes. And, and John, I mean, it's not like we're the only people, I, I would say the vast majority of the reaction, both inside Philadelphia, the national media across the board has been pretty much very similar to what we're saying in the sense that, you know, Doug Peterson, sure. He questioned the inexperience who really knows. It looks like he's surrounding a good staff around him. But the process that led to this and the people in charge of hiring and and uh, basically, you know, setting Doug Peterson up for success, there are real issues there and real legitimate questions that you can have. So, I, you know, I don't think that we're uh, unique in saying that. So, uh, you know, I, I just we got to be honest. I'm not going to ever lie. I'm not going to fake an opinion. I'm not going to bullshit people like I'm just going to say how I feel and and I hope they like it. I hope they at least appreciate it from a from a, a discussion and intellectual whatever you want to call it discussion, you know, type of thing, but I can't lie. I can't just say, you know, oh, everything's going to be okay and and peachy keen it if I don't think it is. And I'm certainly not going to compare a Malcolm X the movie to Jason Kelsey. <laughs> oh I can tell you God. that right now. Oh my God! Yeah, there can we can we for for all the crap we get, there are some real you know <laughs> issues out there in the radio and and media world. Okay, like way worse type stuff than yep. than a little negativity about a football team. Yeah, and look, we want uh, more voices on here, so I just want everybody to know it's not like we're I you know we're the scheduling issues have been have been a problem, and, and granted the the news has been coming out like crazy, so we're trying to pump these out as fast as possible and. We're going to have Matt and Patrick and Ben just go get all intertwined here and get into draft talk and everything else. And listen, all the things we're saying aren't baseless. It is not speculation. You know, I know that a lot of things are, yeah, we base some of that off the reports that we're hearing, but 
just so you know, we, we hear a lot of things too. So we're, we are also forming our opinions around those things. So just wanted to get that out of the way. I understand if you don't want to listen to it for a while, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to force you to listen to anything. Nobody's, no one's forcing you to click on anything. Same thing with the autoplay. We've always had that on there. We get it, but it's not like we do that with every article. That being said, the introductory press conference was on Tuesday, uh, and it's still, I would say, very, very uninspiring as far as, you know, what's going on there. Maybe maybe Doug was nervous. Maybe there was uh, or excitement or both, or, you know, they're standing there in front of the Philly media and, uh, you know, Jeff McClain's pounding the table, asking for the truth and couldn't wrestle away the, the microphone from Howard Eskin. And there was a lot of a lot of different questions that were going on there, but just your overall impressions when he was introduced there, Jim. Turn this chapter of my life back to Philadelphia. Started my career here in 1999 as a starting quarterback. Came back as a position coach with Coach Reed, and now back as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. So with that, I want to thank Tina and Jeffrey Lurie for this opportunity. Howie Roseman, Don Smolinski, the search team, the committee, the efforts that were put forth in finding their next head coach. Yeah, John, like you said, look, I'm not going to uh, indict a guy off his introductory press conference. I think I've told you before, I've never seen a more nor- nervous human being than Zach Ertz when he got drafted. And as it, 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 I was working for the Eagles at the time, and we were legitimately worried he was going to collapse, like faint. In his, and he, he looks so nervous. So I'm not going to kill anybody for that, but... At the same time, if you had any sort of reservations about this guy, and and obviously a lot of people, we just don't know a lot about him outside of, you know, the guy who came in and and took over for, or, or, you know, started for McNabb for nine games before he took over. So, uh, you know, we don't really know Doug Peterson that well. We can look at his resume. It's not, you know, very uh, voluminous, as it were. You know, his experience is not that much, but, you know, you hear a lot of good things about him as a teacher and all that, but... Um, you know, having said, I'm not going to indict him off the, the first press conference. I think that if you were nervous or unsure about him going in, I, I doubt this press conference changed that for you. Uh, he seemed nervous. Uh, um, he seemed to talk in a lot of uh, stereotypes, cliches type of things, you know, where it wasn't. It was a lot of, uh, you know, kind of I don't know if I want to say coach speak, but just kind of um, the, you know, general jargon you would hear. Nothing, nothing super insightful, nothing very, you know, it, it, there was just nothing that he said that really inspired me to believe that that this is a guy who's going to be able to lead a team other than maybe I have hired Jim Schwartz as my defensive coordinator, which um, I think a, a lot of Philadelphia is excited about. Um, but but again, I'm not going to indict Peterson just off the press conference. Uh, I think he was extremely nervous, uh, which is fair, I suppose, in your, your first spot like that. But. Um, you know, Jeffrey Lurie was the one who in the press conference, I wasn't impressed with Peterson, but I was annoyed by Lurie. Uh, you know, it felt like it just felt like a lot of the stuff he said was was not necessarily true based on what we've heard. And I know that he went out and squashed reports saying that they had any you know real interest in other candidates. Come on, man. Like yeah. you don't get you don't get your entire force of beat writers reporting something in, in Sal Pal and all these national people coming in and reporting the same fucking thing over and over and over again. And then it, it there'd be zero truth to it. Uh, it just it just it felt like he, from the Lori perspective that that. He was talking down to a lot of people and and saying, oh, you know, yeah, 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 you might have heard that, but that's not true. Just trust me. And it's like, why should I trust you, man? Like, you you know, why? Well, yeah, and you would have no reason to. I mean, you and you can't do that at an introductory press conference anyway. What do you get? What else are you going to say? Like, you know, it's going to be like uh, Doug's not exactly the guy we wanted, 
but uh, he was there and we trust him. You know, like there's, you, you can't really say that. And, you know, we started with about 25 candidates. In this process, we started with about 25 candidates that we um, completely researched, analyzed, vetted, however you want to describe it. And that research started during the season, uh, at some point late in the season, and it gave us some time to, if we needed to go this direction, uh, be fully prepared for the uh, the search process. Sure. I mean, that's that, I, I, we could also kind of say that, too. There could be 25 names. And he, he said with, you know, guys that were uh, still had head coaching jobs at the time. So, you know, that I mean, that just tells me, yeah, they, they might have been interested in Sean Payton and just like everybody else would have been. And, um, and just trying to see the person in Tom Coughlin, I'm sure, was on that list and whatever. I'm sure that there's. They're, they're, who, who knows, right? So it's it's just that it comes down to the main targets, the one that we're at there. And it's just basically it's kind of the same stuff that we were we were talking about. What was interesting and, and a few kind of things that were in there, at least I, I thought it was good that, and, I, and this can be debated kind of back and forth too, and we're really going to try and, I'm like, I don't want to try and jump on every single word that this guy said and kind of go back and forth. It was kind of, it was kind of cute though. Like <laughs> he was, uh, I don't know if cute's the right word, but uh I don't, when he did introduce uh, Schwartz, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know, he kind of, he stumbled out of the gate. It was like, I'm very... Um, and so I'm proud to announce right now, Jim Schwartz will be our defensive coordinator for the 2016 Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm excited to have him, his track record, his defenses that have led the National Football League. I've had a chance to coach against him, and I'm glad he's on our team now. That, but that was the way he talked. That was his cadence. That was part of what made you so nervous. I mean, I was at this uh, 975 yesterday cutting all the audio as it was going. And it's just, I'm listening to it. And I'm like, should I put, you know, should I be cutting out the spaces? I mean, what? It sounds so awkward. I didn't, obviously. But it was like a spot where I actually thought about cutting out because his cadence was so awkward. And there were such weird pauses in, in weird spots. You know, it would, that, I think that, that added to the awkwardness. John. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm sure as far as like, an, uh, I don't know, entertainment value, it probably wasn't great, but again, it has, it has no bearing on, you know, the, the, the him as a coach, Andy Reid was the same way. He was a great coach. So, um, uh, you know, people even probably say it's like, well, Chip spoke really well, but he's a terrible coach. So I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of that going on in there. The one thing that I will say, though, is that I think it was a good thing that he did say that, yeah, the second half was all mine in the Patriots game. And we learned to find out that I guess he's been calling the second half ever since Pittsburgh, which can be which is like, OK, you know, you can kind of take that and go a couple different ways in it. It's when they had their winning streak. It's when they had the most success there. But, uh, you know, it's also I think it's also a little convenient at the same time that like, yeah. He started the winning streak. You know, that's kind of what people kind of latch on to there. So I, I, I don't know if exactly. I know it was kind of talked about uh, for a couple of days, whether it was, uh, you know, was he really just taking the fall for Andy there um, or or not? But I don't know. Any any different kind of takes on, yeah, on that? Uh, too many to fit into this podcast, John. But let, <laughs> let, let's start with just just the winning streak itself. Obviously, we talked about this before the show. I mean, not not too many impressive wins on that uh, list. Obviously, that win over the Broncos was nice. But, uh, you know, you're beating the Chargers twice, scoring 10 points against them once, beating the Raiders twice. You know, not not some uh, the Browns. They scored 17 points against the Browns. So, you know, not a lot of awesome defenses you're going up against. But but 
more so, here's my issue with that. And and I agree. I think uh, uh, Jody Cameron said that on the air last night, the idea that maybe he was sticking up for Reed on the way out the door, kind of like Hextall did when he came into town and uh, kind of stuck up for Ed Snyder a little bit here and there. And and I could absolutely see that. And and if he did that, that's fine. You know, I, I respect that. That's fine. You're sticking up for your guy. You're, I mean, look, I think uh, I think Peterson owes Andy a lot. I think whatever was said in the press conference, whatever was whatever has been said, whatever. I mean, Andy Reid played a large, large role in Doug Peterson becoming the next coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I don't think that's there's any question about that. Um, so so if he wants to defend the guy on the way out, that's fine. Uh, my big issue is. Come up with a better fucking story. I, I mean, seriously, like, even if you have to lie, don't, I mean, this is, that's the thing is like the first, you know, substantive answer on football that this guy has given in Philadelphia is on Deadspin now. It's on the big lead. It's all over the national media because it's so stupid. It's, 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 it's unbelievable to believe that your answer was we didn't want to give, you're saying that an onside kick was a better a better idea than giving Brady the ball back with, with timeouts. Like I don't, I I mean, it's, that's my issue, John. And like you said, look, if he's defending any, whatever, all that stuff, I don't want to make anything out of it. I don't want to make too big a deal out of it, but lie, man. If you have to lie, lie, come up with a better story than we didn't want. I mean, it's just, it's so bad, John. Well, that's the, yeah. And Colin Cowherd actually had I think like a three minute thing on that. And and everybody was like, yeah, well, if you think of that strategy, it's not so bad. It's like, yeah, actually, it's a terrible strategy when you're down by two scores. So you're going to take the 23 percent chance or whatever it is that you're that you may or may not get it back and and then have 25 seconds, maybe 20 seconds to try and score a touchdown with zero timeouts. It's like it doesn't seem like a great plan either. You might as well just score and see if you can stop them. And yeah, of course, they're going to of course, they're going to pass on you. Of course, Justin Houston hasn't gotten there, but. You, it, it's it's a better option than than relying on an onside kick and you know or whatever trying to stop them and use all your timeouts and then drive down the field. I, yeah, it, it's it, I don't I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like I I you can take that for whatever it's worth. I think it was a good thing that maybe he put his name on that and said yes, this is what it is because we can go look back at film. We can start from the Steelers and go all the way down to the Texans and at least look at film from the second half of those games just to kind of see what was going on there and get a general idea of what was happening before. I, there was a couple of points there where I, I thought that there was, I forgot who made it, so I apologize, but that, you know, that some NFL coaches, some the NFL coaches that are calling plays with their offensive coordinator tend to switch that up. Maybe the heat calls the first half, they switch off to the second half, so the tendencies aren't there as much, which I thought was kind of an interesting strategy. I, and I don't know if that is... Uh, I don't know if that's something he would do with Frank, uh, but let's talk about that for just just a little bit, uh, and then we'll get to. Uh, I know Stephen Lee's on the line here. We're going to get to his phone call in just a second, but um, I want to switch over just because just because there wasn't a ton in the press conference that we could go over and over. We can hang on words forever, and it really doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. Um, no, I think the coaching staff. It, I mean, that's substantive. That's something we can focus on. That's really going to impact the team on the field next year, not just words or how good a guy is in front of an audience or whatever. Yeah, I think the more impactful words were actually from Roseman and and Laurie, and we'll throw some of those cuts in there as well. But um, you know, kind of interesting that he didn't take the that Roseman didn't take the podium yesterday, and then uh, kind of huddled with reporters for a little bit. We'll get we'll get to that in just a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, the, it, that the fact that you know Jim Schwartz is there, that is a huge hire. That's an that's an that makes me excited. That 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 part of it is like okay, this feels like it could be 
I, you know, he might be a, a total a-hole and like a crazy person or whatever. But what I do know, he's a great defensive coach. He always has been. No matter where he's gone, you know, his players love him. He, the, the defense is always real nasty. Yeah, a lot of them would be clarified as dirty. So I, I think a lot of a lot of people are going to love that in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, we love defense. Yeah, they ca- remember they carried him off the field uh, after that win in Buffalo yeah. over the Lions. I mean, these players love him. You got to give him that. So there's, I would say that there are with these hires, there's a lot of emotional intelligence in the room here, uh, uh, for, for sure. There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to want to play for these guys, and especially, especially with the, I mean, like the, the fact that you can start. Getting a little googly eyed with you know the the four three setup that is that that he's going to implement with maybe you know Brandon Graham as as the Leo character so it's more of that Seattle I'll even say Jacksonville Jaguar kind of setup uh, where you can kind of move those guys around and and just be all around nasty and look I mean that's a, that's a lot of what Eagles fans wanted for a long time that goes back to Foles even with Chip that goes back to even Andy and, and stuff like that and be, having that nasty type of defense that's in there. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways that that is helpful. And again, I just want to reiterate, it has no bearing on the 4-3 or the 3-4. It's the fact that Fletcher Cox is going to and Benny Logan are going to one gap. And good Lord, with you, if you have that and Curry and all that stuff, that is something you can get excited about. So I, I think Jim Schwartz could have a major impact here. Uh, but I'll get to the other side of the ball, why it might not be as exciting on the other side. But what do you think of, of Schwartz? Uh, it's obviously a great hire. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I, look, I, I don't think there's really much more to say. I, I I love him as a defensive coordinator. Obviously, he's not that wasn't the best coach. I think he's a little intense, uh, probably a lot for people to handle. But it seems like his players love him, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And and as you pointed out, his scheme fits the personnel, right? I, I, you know, we talked about like four, three, three, four gives a shit. Just just bring in a guy who's going to be able to take the personnel that the Eagles have right now and put it into a scheme that works. And and I, honestly, I, I don't know if you could have found a better defensive coordinator for that D line's talent. You know, I mean, Schwartz's whole scheme is about having a strong defensive line. If, if you have a strong defensive line, his scheme works. And he's coming to a team with a legitimately talented defensive line. So, uh, yeah, I love the Schwartz hire. I, I really I, – I love everything about it. It's my favorite thing the Eagles have done this offseason. Yeah, uh, for sure. And that's why you can – you know, there's going to be a lot of conversations about Connor Barr when I don't think he can play de- defensive end. I don't think he can play, you know, strong side either. He's, he, I don't think he's, he's the Sam or whatever. But uh, – I don't know. It kind of be interesting what happens there. Uh, you know, Kiko was was going to be the will as far as uh, if he was going to come back in Buffalo in 2014 before he got injured. That's really where Kendricks is is stacked up there. So I I don't know what they're going to do on that side. Maybe that just ends up being part of the draft and they fill that hole there. Obviously, I know that's it's been speculated a lot, and Thurman's even said it himself. That probably means he's gone. Um, I know that there's kind of been a back and forth a little bit. I think I like the, the idea I still like uh, of Roe being at safety. And I think that's, it's possible. I just don't think, I don't think it really happens. I know people keep asking that question. I know we were hard on that a lot as far as like the, the scheme went, but as, as soon as he came back in and basically got the starting gig, I don't think you move him at all. You know, I, I, I think he's proven uh, I think he's proven kind of do that. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that kind of works out. Uh, we'll get to Frank Reich in a second, but the other guy that was hired this week was uh, DiFilippo, uh, John John DiFilippo, and he's uh, coming in as a quarterback coach, but obviously very popular. 
in this offseason. The Rams knocked on his door. Chip knocked on his door to be the OC before coming here. A lot of guys love him. I, I mean, this is the thing. It's just, you know, he's bounced around in a couple of different spots. Uh, Derek Carr loves him. Uh, I don't know what Johnny Mantell would have to say about him, but uh, I know Ben Natan has, is, is a big fan of this guy. And I think that there's a lot of, a lot of, it's kind of interesting that it chose him over Frank, really, as for OC, if that's what's actually kind of uh, going to go down here. It hasn't no, I, no I, he's going to be the QB coach, DiFilippo. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of interesting that they're going with Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator. Because of the job lineups that he had elsewhere, which is, you know. I, 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 so you're saying it's more surprising that DiFilippo would take the a, QB, a QB coach. Right, got right. you. Okay. Not, I mean, obviously for the Eagles, if you can get a guy who's, who, you know, is, is that highly thought of as an offensive mind and come you know, be the QB coach, you're going to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, people are going to point out the obvious things like, uh, look what uh, David Carr had done. Look at, uh, you know, Gary Barnridge and uh, Travis Benjamin. Uh, I can't even remember. I don't know. Yeah, I guess Josh McCown making him look look decent. All that and more. I mean, like Johnny Manziel look good. So, yeah, I think that's important to for whatever's going to kind of come in, whether that's a rookie QB or somehow I'm, I'm just – you know, I'm, I'm. I hope that Sam is is going to be there. And look, I mean, they sold on. They were selling him pretty hard, or at least Doug was. So maybe, maybe there is an outside chance there, or maybe that's just for fodder. But uh, yeah, what do you, what do you make of uh, the DiFilippo hire? Look, like we just said, I like it. I think he's a uh, very, very, very qualified to be a quarterbacks coach. Uh, I look at the guy's resume. He's been yeah overqualified. You know, co- yeah, overqualified. Exactly. Been co- coaching quarterbacks for sixteen years, fifteen years uh, in the NFL for a, a decade. You know, he's got a decade of NFL experience. Um, you know, as a quarterbacks coach, the vast majority really last year with Cleveland is only OC job. A quarterbacks coach and and you know quality a uh, uh, control coordinator way back his first job at the Giants. But um, he's been a quarterbacks coach for a really really long time in the NFL. He's he's clearly a well thought of mind. Uh, and look, I think it, it lends to uh, what we talked about as I think, and it's my, you know, again, we've, we've talked about if, if for all the people who hate the negativity, here's some positivity coming. Uh, I think that the best thing that as a whole, that this organization is doing this off season is surrounding Peterson with very, very experienced NFL guys, guys who have, you know, either been head coaches, been coordinators, been, you know, in the league for a very long time, guys, mostly the point being that guys who are, who have uh, uh, been above the spot, they're going to be on the coaching staff. So guys who have have even climbed the ladder further and are almost taking a step back down uh, in some cases to be that, that spot. I think that's all really, really positive stuff. I think that's what you need to do with a guy like Peterson, who, you know, the big question about him is his experience, especially as an NFL coach. Uh, and this is what is – that's why I'm going to switch over to Frank Reich now, James. And this is what kind of makes it interesting for me is because there is – you know, I, just like we're saying, uh, Filippo seems like he should be the guy because he's – you know, I like the way he schemes. I like the way he's opened up those guys, you know, the career years, all that stuff what we were just talking about. Frank Reich is kind of the opposite of that. That's why I and, – and along with that, it's just kind of like there's nothing that's uh, – whether it was Mike McCoy that was that was doing the majority or they were splitting, he was definitely calling plays in San Diego. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems to fit more or less with uh, what Doug likes. I think they kind of have, at least in their in their passing sets, I think they have similar things. You know, obviously it's easier working with Antonio Gates than it probably would be with Zach Ertz and, and stuff, but they like a lot of, the t- you know, the tight end underneath stuff. They like, uh, you know, the deep crossers. 
I don't know. And I just it seems it seems odd to have those two pairings together uh, of of such just kind of I don't want to call it boring football, but it's boring offensive football. And I'm not I'm not saying it's because I need to create some sort of an excitement to or whatever. It just seems like the concepts are very boring. They're very boring there. And, and maybe that's just my own ignorance for not exactly understanding what they run. Uh, but it's just kind of uh, that pairing to me is still odd. Yeah, no, it's it's the most uh, again. I, I'm just praising the hires. It's the only one I have a real question about outside of Peterson himself. Yeah. Uh, and just to, to update, uh, Adam Kaplan just tweeted a little bit ago uh, that Reich will be interviewing in the next 24 hours. And this is a quote from Kaplan. He said it would be an upset if he doesn't get yeah, the job. He's getting, he's getting yeah, the job. I think we had heard enough about him getting the job, but just to kind of hammer that home. Um, yeah, it's a weird hire. It's almost like, hey, uh, former backup quarterback buddy, let's let's go do this. Yeah, I don't you know, it's like I don't when you look at like we just said, I just literally had just looking side by side at DiFilippo's resume and, and Reich's resume as a coach. Uh, DiFilippo's got more experience as an NFL coach. No question, you know, um, uh, and then, you know, Reich, obviously the playing career. How much does that factor in? But uh, yeah, look, I mean, you look at Reich, he's been. He's really, uh, you know, his, his NFL coaching career is very similar to uh, uh, one Doug Peterson. Yeah, <laughs> you look at it, yeah. you know, a few years as a quarterback's coach. He was a wide receiver's coach for a couple of years and then a, a couple of years an offensive coordinator. And, and that's it. Um, I, I think the bigger point is that in San Diego, he was the OC uh, for an offense that was a Mike McCoy offense and, and really not a very successful offense. Uh, you know, I, we, Rivers has had some nice games. But when you look at the offense as a whole over the course of the season, I think uh, it, you you kind of forget how bad that San Diego offense has been, and, and granted a lot of injuries, but not a good offense for two years. It really hasn't, and uh, you know, and it's got Phil Rivers. So you know, how much credit are you going to give to Reich uh, coming in in the last two years of Rivers' career here, where you know I think he's pretty set and and pretty you know good at the way he does things. So I, I just don't know what type of impact Reich had. Uh, there and, and like you said, I think when you go and, and look around the league and talk to some of the people about the actual concepts and the schemes that they're going to run, it's it does seem very unexciting, very um, you know vanilla type schemes. And uh, you know, not that look, Chip, that was kind of our, uh, the issue at the end, right? That he was running very simple stuff. Um, so I mean, it, it does come down to execution. But again, I just uh, I think the right hiring is not as inspiring as, as the Schwartz or even some of the position coach hirings. Yeah, and uh, w- with that, let's get to the phones real quick. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. What's up, BGN? This is Stephen Lee calling from West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, after Doug Peterson's uh, introductory press conference. Uh, just kind of wanted to gauge your guys' thoughts on potential offensive coordinators. I know it was reported yesterday that uh, Frank Reich was actually expected to be named offensive coordinator, and uh, they really didn't confirm that today um, during his press conference. I think one thing that I, I do like is that Doug uh, doesn't appear to be full Jason Garrett mode, as he is going to be calling his own plays, for better or worse. I like the accountability. I feel like a head coach should be able to do that. Um, but other than Frank Reich, uh, whose who's names are really floating around out there as a potential offensive coordinator? Do you think it's possible they retain Pat Shermer? 
Um, he really didn't, at least to my knowledge, mention Deuce as uh, a confirmation that he was coming back. But do you think that's a possibility? Or, or what are your guys' thoughts on offensive coordinator and uh, Doug Peterson uh, calling place? Thanks, guys. Stephen Lee, my man, thank you so much for calling in as always. Uh, and, you know, again, that's the point that I was going to bring up next here. Uh, with Doug Peterson calling the plays, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I guess does it really matter? That kind of falls back all on Doug again. Um, I, I don't know what to, I, I you know, I, I to me, I think that's, and he, he makes a good point. It is very much less Jason Garrettish if he's actually calling the plays, but I will add Jason did call the plays to start his regime and, and do all that stuff. He was the offensive coordinator, just kind of moved over. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, that's what kind of makes it, maybe, uh, maybe because he wanted a guy with similar philosophies, because they, they do. They A lot of their stuff is very similar, so maybe that's why. But what do you make of Doug uh, saying, yes, I will definitely be calling the plays uh, uh, to at least start the, the head coaching career? I hate it. <laughs> Honestly, no, I know, I know. I really do, John. Wow. I I, yeah. Uh, well, I'll let you finish, but I don't. Yeah, let like, me. I, one way or I the know other. you don't. I know you don't, and that's why I like I'm I'm coming on a little strong here. But um, and look, he might be a good. It has literally zero to do with his scheme or or his ability to call plays. It has to do with the fact that that he is taking on the most uh, uh, all encompassing job he's ever had as a coach at the NFL level. Period. As a coach. And I want him to focus on everything else. I just think there's a lot that this guy's going to have to worry about, both in-game and, you know, uh, uh, heading into the game, game planning, all that type of stuff that has never been on his plate. Uh, For me, I I would prefer to see him go and focus on all that other stuff, focus on time management, focus on the clock, focus on this stuff and that. Don't worry about calling the plays. And look, I could be wrong. I I will, you know, caveat this by saying that I I have heard from some coaches that, they are more in the game when they're calling plays and that that does help with the other stuff. I don't know if I buy that or not, but it, but it, sure, I don't I've never coached an NFL game. I'm not going to pretend to know, <laughs> but at least from a, a you know a pragmatic way of looking at it, to me, in my mind, assuming that's not the case, I'd rather Peterson be focusing on all the other stuff that he's never had to deal with and really focusing on on learning how to do that and getting good at that. And, and, you know, if, if you need to call plays in a late game, important situation because you want it in your hands, great. But I, I personally, I just don't want that on his plate in addition to all the yeah, other I, stuff. Yeah, I... I- I'll actually like it because I'm just not a big fan of Frank Calton plays. I guess. Yeah, well, that's true too. That's a fair point. So, so, so I would actually prefer that if there was a stronger. Now, that's why I'll just to go back. If it was, if it was uh, Filippo, then if it, it was Shermer too, we, well, we, Shermer we would too. want Shermer calling the plays, Absolute, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I know, so, and that. So there's that. That's my only downfall in the. Yes, there have been good hire. I think Schwartz is a good hire. You know, John's a good hire. In between the two, the the head coach and the and the OC is the is the one I'm kind of like. I, can I can I throw a question at you real quick? What, sure. Do you think? Uh, I mean, with the Shermer stuff, do you think they ever really tried to get Shermer back, or do you think Shermer didn't want to come back? And this is totally conjecture. Just along these lines, do you think it was a Peterson came in and said, "Reich's my guy, I'm bringing him," or was this, uh, uh, "Hey Pat, you want to do this?" Or and and Pat was like, "Man, I'm out." You know, I, I think there could. I'm be not. A- if you're not giving me that coach job, I'm out. I think there could be a lot of different things here because maybe, I don't know, maybe he just wants to meet up with Chip. <laughs> you know, maybe that's what ends up happening. Or Lane Kiffin, I can't believe that freaking thing. But uh, um, actually, uh, I don't know. Anthony Lynn was the newest name too, which he was a kind of a hot name for potential uh, coaching jobs. The running back coach in uh, in Buffalo I saw as a, a San Francisco name. But it is interesting uh, kind of looking at the way Chip's putting his staff together. I think that 
Um, I don't know. I saw someone just tweet recently that so far uh, Peterson's staff that he's putting together has been better than the staff that Chip put together. And, and I think that's fair. I think, you know, a lot of the best parts are still here with, with Fip. And- well, yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down to opportunity as well. Like, I think it's one thing that's that's forgetting here. If Jim Schwartz was available in 2013, I think he would have snatched that up. Well, was he actually? I'm thinking, thinking about, about it. Because he, he came in. in. Oh, oh, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. That's right. Okay, so, yeah, I'm saying that there's a lot of opportunity with these guys, too. You know, the Browns fall apart. There's there's pretty good dis- assistance there despite how bad it is. So, yeah, I think that there's – and look, you know, that Chip reached out to try and get his old staff back. He tried to get Stoudlin. He tried to – Eagle said no way. Now he said no way. So, uh, but, yeah, I think that there's uh, – now I'm forgetting your original question. <laughs> I, just, I was just wondering if Sher- you think Shermer was ever really oh, yeah, in the so- right speed. I think I think he would have I think that he was probably still in the plans in some regards because of because of Bradford there and obviously we've heard that the locker room likes him a lot I think there was some something to that and I I I honestly think it was more Shermer than it would have be from the Eagles saying like that was no, my that was my so. thought too yeah yeah uh, but uh, you know it, I I think it's I think there's some things that and everybody's starting to feel a little better. Today, just like I thought it, it probably would, and it's really not because of Doug Peterson, but it really is because of those those two hires, the success, the success that they've had there. So I, I'm going to say that, like, yeah, I think it's in. It's obviously important to hire a, a strong staff like this. That was, you know, everybody points to Andy and says that's what he did too. Again, but you know, Jim Johnson and those guys. The, Jim Johnson had a terrible career. <laughs> Before coming, before coming there, I think that's what a lot of people forget. So that's a great point. That's a great about coach. You know, it's it's about scheme and town and and situation. There's so many things that go into it. It's a great point. Yeah. So with this scheme that Jim Schwartz is bringing in, I'm very excited because when you see guys, when you see the opportunity, and listen, don't get stuck in the wide nine stuff. But when they are veiled, like I am actually getting so fired up for Vinnie Curry splitting out way far. And Brandon Graham splitting out so far on on third and thirteen, and just saying go ahead and just tee off because when you have Jordan Hicks in the middle, you can do that type of stuff. Jordan Hicks to me is a guy that is picture perfect to run that system. I mean, he would have been great in a three four, great anywhere, but in a if you're playing in those wide nine looks, he can help you. Not. This isn't Casey fucking Matthews. Right? Like, no, like, his, his his ability to get side to side. I mean, he's he's perfect. He is perfect for it. It's he's like uh, he's like Stephen Tullock two basically to me. Like the I think he's a little more athletic in that. So those things excite me. So my early prediction was that the Eagles defense is going to be just so goddamn nasty. And then the Eagles' offense is going to look like it's 1989. So no, but and that, that's it. I think John, I'm right, I'm with you, man. And I think that that is going to be good enough to to in a bad division keep them in the running. I think that there's a good chance that they come out and win six, seven, eight games next year. Who knows? Maybe more. Uh, I just don't know about the long term viability of it. We'll see. Well, and this I want to get your thoughts on this, and then we'll we'll ring the bell on these two uh, these two games coming up because it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, football hold weekend. up, there there are games. Uh, apparently, there is. Apparently there is. Uh, we had a good weekend of football last weekend. I think we're, oh, we're Mr. Florino. All right. Hey. <laughs> but uh, here's what I wanted. So there's been a lot of discussion with Bradford and stuff, and I don't want to make up another Bradford discussion. But here, here's what I'm going to keep coming back to. I don't know if you feel the same way. That 
you know, I've, I've heard Jimmy make this argument, and I think it's valid in in some spots, and I've heard ESP make this, and I think it's valid in some spots. Uh, you know, they're not a contender. Everybody can say, like, they're not going to contend for a Super Bowl. But, uh, I mean, honestly, when you look at the core of this thing, and just like you were saying, at least, you know, they, they we've heard, at least for the first six weeks of the, the pre- previous season, oh, my God, they're wasting a great defense uh, on this crappy offense. So if they're if they really are switching over to uh, guys that will enhance their system, being the one gap, being the four three with Curry and everybody there, uh, you know there are still some. I I don't know why everybody's just kind of throwing out the entire offense. Jordan Matthews is still a solid player. I I still don't want to write off Nelson Aguilar. You have Eric Rowe who showed not just promise, but like oh my God, he could be like the guy. You know so. Um, when you have these certain pieces here, the NFC East is still going to be terrible. Not going to be able to sell me down that otherwise. There's not going to be all of a sudden three contending teams, especially when there's been a changeover in New York, when, you know, Dallas still has to figure out what's going on there if they take a QB early or blah, blah, blah. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I get the sense here that I, it's not as bad as, as people are thinking. And I actually think that this, on its own right now without drafting, I still think you could win seven games with this team. Just by switching the some of some of this stuff up, and I don't you're know, assuming just, Bradford there, right? Yeah, assuming Bradford and, be, and and being a little more reliable on on your defense, uh, and you know not having them out on the field for you know make them more of the focal point rather than whatever. If you want to change that philosophy, that's why I kind of say I, I I think they could be in the mix here, and I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, look, I you know what I've said in the sense that I. I don't know what I want long term. I want them to, you know, I want a Super Bowl and I don't know if if the best chance is to get how to get a franchise quarterback. I don't know if Bradford's that guy or not, but just based on on what they have, man, I, you know, I mean, the Rams won seven games with, with a Case Keenum, Nick Foles mishmash at quarterback yeah. this yeah. year. I'm seriously, I mean, you know, the Jets won 10 games with Ryan Fitzpatrick, granted some serious weapons on offense, but, uh, you know, the way the NFL is right now, and I think this, I think we can, at least I know you and I can agree, and a lot of people agree, this was one of the worst years uh, as terms of a product uh, from the NFL that I remember in a long time. It's just, it hasn't been great football for the most part, but uh, as a result of that, and as a result of the the mediocrity across the league, if you could do one thing really, really, really well, you got a shot, man. Like, if you have a great a great offense or a great defense, I think you have a shot to, to contend or definitely to win a crappy division. And and look, with Jim Schwartz here and, and a couple little refinements, uh, you know, the, the Eagles' defense, it's not crazy to say that they could could be a top 10, maybe even top 5 defense in the NFL next season. Uh, that's not an insane thing to say. It's really not. Uh, you know what? I, I forgot the one thing that we forgot to touch on. I think it's important to say. So let let's let us talk about... Uh, Roseman and the in the collectiveness that that they were kind of selling because yeah, this and, is, and uh, <laughs> potential higher yeah because this this is slightly concerning here and I just saw Rube tweet this out and I I kind of my butt clenched a little bit here so I, again this is kind of this is kind of the thing that I I, I thought was going to happen this is why I think Howie could survive this this thing if if it goes wrong for Doug here uh, and I'm not saying that it will I'm just saying if it does how we can survive this because that a collective thing, you know, I know that they're still trying to iron out details here, but Rube was just saying, you know, maybe Jaws could be the player personnel thing. And I'm just like, what? You know, it's a, it's a possibility. You know, and I just feel like that's what they're kind of in doing. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not, look, I'm not, 
not saying that Rube's, you know, going to be 100% correct on any of this stuff here, but if something like that kind of comes in, there is more of a, a, a four or five man guy that's in, in charge of personnel type of thing. That's how Howie can survive that. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point, John. But I mean, you heard it yesterday and, and I, I, you know, people have been divided on, on McLean going after Lori. Uh, but you know, a lot of, I, lot of thinking yesterday, right? Yeah, <laughs> people, yeah, people, people were there. Thanks, some, thanks, some, thanks, thanks. But but you know what? I, I do think that, and, and whether it was the right spot or not, I, I think McLean was right in the sense that the reason there were those things is because the fan base does want to know. Like it, we we do want to know about the front office and about Howie and about final decision and about accountability there. Um, so I, I think that if nothing else, I think that the the media and public pressure on that is at least putting more of a light on that than there was before. Um, but, you know, I, John, I think what it's going to come down to is how bad it, if it does go bad again. We're not saying that it's going to. But if it did go bad, uh, I think it would also depend on how it went bad and how bad it went, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if it if it's all just to, to like shit like last season was with Chip, I think there's a chance that Lori does finally clean house. Um, and we're not talking this next year. I'm talking over this this run here. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, it's it. It's. it's I, I look. I said that last week. I said my favorite part about the hire was that it puts Howie in the crosshairs and makes him accountable. Sure. Uh, I think you know. Look, Howie's proved to have so many lives right now. I mean, a cat can't even keep up with him. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's certainly possible that if this went wrong, the blame could kind of be shifted around to that collaborative group think whatever thing that they're doing. But. Um, yeah, you you hope that uh, you hope that there'll be accountability there with the front office for sure. Whoever comes in, and, and also I, just in your opinion, let's talk about that. I mean, whether it's Jaws, whether it's someone else, and I don't think it'll be someone like that. Never, you never know. It could be. Um, and, and Jaws's involvement in the coaching search certainly lends you towards believing that there's a chance that he could have some sort of role in the organization. Who knows? Uh, but regardless of who it is, uh, you know, how do you see that role? Do you see that as someone who's actually coming in and going to have any real say, or is this just someone to take over for Donahoe or, or what, how do you envision this role kind of playing out? Here? Yeah, I think somebody gets, I think Donahoe gets replaced. And I'm saying this because the, the text thread, the BGN radio text thread is also bringing this up too. I'll, I'll just say what Brandon is saying. And it's kind of the same thing I'm thinking because, you know, it might not seem so crazy. They valued him enough to have him in the coaching search and there's no real executive is going to take the personnel job just like no one really did for Chip. Like, you know, that's Manowitz and him were basically partners together there. So I think that's what's gonna gonna happen there. Uh, well, it's also possible in the sense that that when you just look at it just from a from a stepping back and just looking at it from a uh uh motives type of standpoint, uh, you know, why else would, would Jaws come out and and you know admit his involvement? Yeah. You know, otherwise because it does kind of, you know, put put him on the spot as an analyst in the sense in a different way than he was before and and actually you know i, I gotta give credit to james he actually texted that to me and i was like there's no way <laughs> like, there's no way they would bring him a front off position because why else he goes no man i was like i think if he's doing this then then he's probably you know knocking on the door or something so and jeff mcclain even hinted at it too so uh, uh, we'll have to see it play out but 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 yeah i mean like i i'm fine with I mean, we know that they're, that's going to come out of that immediately, right? And we're all going to think the same thing. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're going to have Ron Jaworski as your player personnel guy? Here's Look, the I, thing, I, I think that, but here's the thing. I agree with you, but I think that there's a vast majority of this fan base, and, and this goes from being, you know, listening to the calls we get at the radio station, all that kind of stuff. I think that there would be support for that. Uh, from the mass, at least from the masses. Yeah, there would be fifty. It's like, oh yeah, you know, the, the you know the Philly thing. 
He's nobody be- watches more tape. <laughs> nobody. Nobody's more, you know, plugged in, all that stuff. Sure. Nobody else wanted Nick Foles over Russell Wilson. <laughs> no one else wanted saying Colin Kaepernick was the greatest. You know, whatever. I mean, again, we all miss, and I love Jaws as an analyst, and I think he's a great personality, but it just it seems like a weird fit. It seems like an odd hire. You know, he's especially when a guy has never been in a, I mean, well, unless he's he does that with the Philadelphia soul, like I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But uh, regardless, it, it it'll be interesting to kind of see what fits in there. And and again, I just think I I'm not as sure as everyone else is like, oh yeah, no, this is, you know, this is this is Roseman's uh, time here. And we've heard a lot of other weird names that have been <laughs> been offered for that spot. And uh, I'm just I'm just hoping that they're not they're not entirely true, but. That being said, let's have some fun. It's time for the NFL Picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL Picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Well, Jay, uh, you know, not to brag, 4-0. But we do a quick little back pat for John right now. Yeah, John, seriously. Little pat Thank God for that backdoor cover. Thank you, Steelers, oh, for kicking God. the field goal. Well, and, and, and it's, I know, and that's what's so frustrating because you can't rip it because that's actually the right call. I hate <laughs> I when know, coaches don't do that. Kick the field goal. Try for a Hail Mary. I hate it when they try and get the touchdown, even the 10 points, and they never think to get those three. It drives me crazy. So uh, it was frustrating because I couldn't even rip the call. I just knew that it was screwing me, John. All right, let's start in uh, Carolina and Arizona. This is a matchup everybody wanted, honestly. Like, I can't wait for for uh, more Bruzerians red-faced. Hopefully, I mean, that, that's what's going to happen here. I, I like Carolina a lot at minus three. It's just... It's the home line. It pretty much is for for both of these. Well, no, I, I apologize. It's not for both of these teams, but j- definitely just a very even matchup. Uh, and I, I'm I'm taking Carolina still, man. I you know I, I think that their their defense is playing out of their mind. I think from the you know it, it's hard to go from game to game and say that Carson Palmer is going to play the same way against Green Bay. But I mean, I think the lights got to him a little bit uh, against the Green Bay secondary, which again. Very so-so. Defense is very so-so. So, you know, you put that, that the Carolina defensive line absolutely wrecked house last, last week against Seattle. And I know that they're, you know, Seattle's had some offensive line problems, but sorry, I, I just can't bet against them. I'm taking Carolina in the points here. Yeah, I wish I could ring the bell here, Johnny, but I think if there's been, a, I've been very wrong in a, in my picking games this season and across the league, but, but. If there's been one team that I've been consistent with, and and obviously by the record, they've proved me right a lot. It's been the Panthers. I think both of us were on the Panthers real early saying, hey, guess what? This team might be pretty good. Uh, And they're really good. Uh, Really, 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 really really good. And they're still underrated. Last week, they're, I mean, and granted, Seattle made it close, but they were only a a one and a half point favorite going into that game at home in the playoffs. And they're 15 and one. And and look, they obviously, that second half was, you know, lackadaisical and all that. And and they they were up 31 and nothing at halftime for a reason because they are an awesome football team and they're a better football team than the Seahawks. And they're a better football team than the Cardinals. They they just are. they're, They're. 
across the board, they're home. I, I mean, I get why it's three. It, because Carolina still doesn't get any respect, it should be more. It should be three and a half, maybe even four. Uh, and I think they win by more than that. I, I think the biggest thing is is they're, they're the nobody believes in us team. They, they, if, you, if you go in and look at the stories from last weekend where they're like, you, you know, they believe, even though they were favored in the game, they believe that everyone in the country picked them to lose. And, and that's that mentality that they have. And I love it. And that's why I, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl, John. I well, do. It's a, well, it's a, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's the same thing with the line where it shifted. It was like, oh, everybody started tricking themselves. Like, oh, why, why is the line's at one and a half? Why is it only at two and a half? It's, just, it's because people are betting heavy on Seattle, you idiots. Because the public loves them. Yeah, so, oh, Seattle, this is this is where they go on the run. Listen, don't get confused here. Carolina and the win. Uh, we've got uh, New England, Denver, everybody's favorite matchup for the last 15 years of football, except, you know, the, the, the Manning's pretty much on his <laughs> on his way out and Tom's still playing at a high level. Uh, opened at three and a half, sticking at three. Uh, I'm assuming that's probably not going to change too much. I know it opened at two and a half in some spots. So, uh, but uh, Denver, New England, who you got in this? Yeah, I think three is the right number, John. And uh, look, uh, I, no matter what, obviously it's not the same as before. But uh, I, I tweeted before last weekend's games uh, that I, you know, I wanted this Final Four just because of the, you know, the Carolina Arizona is as good a matchup as I could remember for a championship game. And then you know what? Even if it's not the same. It, it, it's fun to see Brady Manning one last time in a meaningful game, one last time where it really, mo- likely one last time, uh, where it really matters. Um, and, and look, I just, I think New England's got it going on right now, Johnny. I said it last week. I picked them over, uh, you know, I thought that it was silly that it wasn't a bigger line uh, against Kansas City. Everyone was loving the Kansas City hype. Uh, and then obviously they, they had a chance at the end. We, we've gone into that. We'll skip that. We're having fun right now. Um, but I, I just think the pa- uh, Patriots, when he's got those weapons, when he's got Edelman and, and Gronk and, you know, Amendola and everyone's healthy streaking across the middle and making plays. And then that defense is healthy and running around. I just think they're a better football team than Denver. Uh, I, that Denver defense is really good. But I just I, I don't see how Peyton Manning puts up any legit you know numbers against this New England defense against Belichick scheming against him, knowing what his limits are. Um, I just I think the Patriots win, and I, I think it's somewhat close, but I think they easily cover the three. I think it's a seven to ten point win for the yeah. Pats. Yeah, I think people want this to be like you know Muhammad Ali versus kind of Ken Norton or something like that, but or whatever. What I what I think it's gonna. I mean, I think it's going to be. I think it's gonna be quite embarrassing for Denver. Like Sonny Liston. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be yeah more like Sonny Liston and like yeah exactly or you know whatever like Tyson fighting for the last time against some schmuck or like oh yeah but come on we can do this thing. But uh, I, I just think from the the troubles that they had, uh, you know that that front seven for New England is 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 no joke either. So yeah, there might be some shades in the in the in the secondary that aren't great. But I just I I, I just don't see him beating this squad I, for whatever reason. Like you know, I'm not just saying the drops will continue. That's a game to game thing usually in the NFL. We know that for sure here in Philadelphia. But uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Demarius Thomas just looks kind of lost a little bit in the. You know, I I don't know. I just I don't trust that uh, that that line's going to hold up either. So I'm taking. And then, it. and then yeah, real quick again, we did it. Said it last week. Belichick versus Reed. Belichick versus Kubiak. Same yeah, thing. It's 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 going to be yeah yeah. I just hate Kubiak's offense against against the uh, you know Bill here. So I, I'm taking. I probably take it at five to be honest with you. I think the, I think the, I think the New England's going to kill him. So we'll have to see with that. Uh, that being said, James, uh, just final thoughts here on the on the uh, you know the coaching search the. The, the press conference, anything you'd really like, sir. Wow, anything. I have so much. Um, no, I, look, like we said, we're, I'm not 
I think it's been there's been a big misconception here with with what we've been talking about and and whatnot is that we're not saying that Doug Peterson has no chance to be successful here. We're not saying he's an awful head coach. We don't really know, but just when you look at the process and everything that led up to this point and then his lack of experience and and all that, it's right to to question it. It's right to say, I don't know if this is going to work. Having said that, I like the staff he's putting around him. I, I think there's potential for those guys, and, and we've still got a lot to learn. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we'll try and be a positive when it's fair and, and negative when it's fair. But, uh, you know, I think as of right now, I wasn't super inspired yesterday. I uh, think it's a, a, a clear with a lot of the verbiage you heard with, with both Laurie and Peterson uh, that it's a very stark, uh, aggressive reaction to the whole chip era. You know, a lot of the, the touchy-feely stuff, the, you know, uh, genuinely caring about players and then all that kind of stuff, which, which good, you should, but um, as long as they go out and, and play football and, and beat people up, I'm fine with it. So um, we'll see, John. You know, again, uh, uh, I, love, I love the Schwartz hire. I love the, the staff they're compiling around Peterson. So uh, uh, that's something to latch on to right now. Uh, and as always, uh, I just want to remind you about the hottest app that is out there. It is Clip It. You know, we've... They don't have every channel yet. They keep they keep integrating more and more. And I know it's really tough. Like I was doing uh, doing some Sixers vining the other day, and it was a very exciting uh, MLK day of basketball for those guys. But uh, what what I do know is that all these playoff games are on there. There's uh, you know the Simpsons are on there. Reality TV news. If there's something that catches your eye and you're watching it, you go, oh my god, I can't believe they just said that. That's what's great about having it in the palm of your hand. You can go back right then. It's like, did they really say that? And have it there, and then share it with everybody. And that's what's that's what's great about this this app. There's no more holding the you know the phone up to the television, not to the computer screen. It's been fantastic, and they've been awesome partners throughout uh, this 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 whole month. So definitely go check them out. Uh, clip it uh, at Clip It TV on Twitter or Clip It TV com for more information on that. For myself, John Barcher, for Mr. James Zeltzer, want to thank everybody for listening to episode number 143 right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.com. Schwartz! You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.